The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It is Sunday, February 20th. And today we are airing the second part of our interview with author Dan Pink. His book is called The Power of Regret, How Looking Backward Moves Us Forward. Now, if you didn't listen to yesterday's program, you missed the most popular regrets and why regrets are really good. Today, we are starting the the interview, the second half of the interview, with the idea of um, what place forgiveness plays into regret. So here is the second part of our interview with Dan Pink. I was on the board of an organization called StoryCorps, which oh, sure. is, um, you know, audio stories. Yeah. And the founder, Dave Isay, used yeah. to um, recount this very, he would say that like, basically, when you have these conversations with your loved ones, especially at the end of their lives, there are essentially four things mm. that they actually say. Okay. So it's obvious, like, I love you, right? Mm-hmm. That's easy. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then the other two, forgive me. And the other one is, I forgive you. Oh, interesting. So how do you think forgiveness plays into regrets? It's a very, very interesting question. And I think it plays in in two ways. First of all, uh, you had mentioned, Jill, that you tend to regret hurt. Your bigger regrets are hurting other people. And that, that's the thing that, that bugs you a little bit more than, say, a regret of, you know, not asking somebody out on a date or not right. pursuing, you know, uh, you know, a woman who is attractive. There are two kinds of regret in the architecture. One is regrets of action and one of regrets are inaction. With action regrets, I regret what I did. What you have there is you have the opportunity to seek forgiveness. So if you've hurt somebody, again, let me let me be concrete here. I got a lot of people who have moral regrets about bullying. Okay, hmm. they regret oh a huge number. I, I was really surprised by that a huge number of regrets about bullying, and some of them have gone back to the people who they bullied twenty years ago, thirty years ago, and apologized. All right, and so what they're doing there is they're they are seeking forgiveness, and that is a way 
perhaps to extinguish the regret or maybe even minimize it. So, so for regrets of action, you can ask for forgiveness, you can seek forgiveness. However, I think that for all regrets, there's another dimension of forgiveness that is even more important, which is, and again, I don't want to, I mean, you know, I'm not a woo-woo kind of guy, but I think there's another dimension of it that is even more important, which is at some level forgiving ourselves. Mm. Um, you know, we are extraordinarily harsh on ourselves. We treat ourselves with so much in, in, in such a severe way that we would never treat anybody we actually cared about. And so one of the ways of dealing with our regret is to get past it with a smidgen of forgiveness and, and self-compassion. But then to go back into this way of dealing with these regrets systematically, that when we forgive ourselves, we begin to open the way to make sense of the regret and to draw a lesson from it. And one of the best ways we make sense of our regrets is by talking about them or writing about them. The disclosure mm. itself is incredibly important. You know, I, with no, essentially no publicity, like except for like a tweet or two, I put up this thing called the World Regret Survey. Say, hey, anybody want to tell their, a complete stranger their biggest regret? And, you know, we got like in weeks, 15,000 of these things. Because yeah, because people want to talk about it. So why do people want to talk about it? Because it relieves the burden, okay? And the other thing, though, is that language, spoken language, written language, it's a conversion process. So negative emotions are, I mean, you know from reading Brene's book, you know, negative emotions are blobby and abstract. But when we convert them into words, they're less menacing. They're more mm -hmm. concrete. And that begins the sense-making process. You know, I, I have to tell you that this is um, one of my pet peeves, and producer Mark will tell you this, that I hate happiness porn. Like, I hate <laughs> I hate it so much. I hate, like, like you can be this, you can be this. I, I find it terribly boring. I really do. And it, and really trite. It's tell just- me, the, tell, me, tell me what your definition of that is or an example of that. Uh, you know, like, the focus on that we all have to be happy. Like, being a human being doesn't mean you're happy all the time. In fact, I would say that being a human being, in addition to regret and having negative emotions, it's like, then all of a sudden you feel bad about yourself. It's like watching a movie and thinking that's what love is. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And so I find it really uh, very boring, frankly. And so I'm not that interested in a four-hour work week or happiness at all costs. I'm really into like, let's get down and dirty, roll our sleeves up, get those emotions, label them, talk about them and use them. And there was something about this that really, you know, when you said the, the four different aspects of regret, the one that I also thought was really interesting was connection. Mm. I think that there is a regret when you feel like a relationship, you're trying to put context on a relationship that was important at one time and no longer is important. I'm talking more about friendships than romantic yeah, relationships. Yeah. And I thought that was an interesting part of the book when you talked about the woman who was like, you know, I kind of don't know what happened. And then how you get back around and whether you go back and try to resuscitate that. Or is that just maybe a signal that that was a relationship for a period of time that no longer serves you? Is it a misplaced regret are you really taking responsibility for something that just was never rescuable or not? It depends. And I think that in some ways, 
we know the answer to that question in our guts. So for instance, if you are nagged by this idea, it's like, oh, I should, you know, there's this friendship that came apart. And and and, and I think you're totally right that a lot of these connection regrets are as much about friendship and and non, they're, they're much more about friendship and completely non-romantic relationships than they are about romantic relationships. If you have, if you say, oh, you know what? I really want to reach out to my friend so-and-so because I haven't talked to him or her for eight years. And at one point we were really close. My view is that that regret is telling you something, hmm. right? Because there are plenty of people who you lost touch with who you're not having that thought about. <laughs> so right. in a way you're having, you're, you're, you're answering that question. And what happens in all the, a lot of these connection regrets, particularly with regard to friendship is we're wrong. I mean, we're just terrible forecasters. So we think that, oh my gosh, if I reach out, it's going to feel so awkward and the other side is not going to care. And I can't tell you how often both my reporting and also just piles of, of academic evidence tell us we've gotten both of those wrong. A, it's much less awkward than we think. We completely overstate our feelings of awkwardness, our predictions of awkwardness. And the second, it's almost always well-received on the other end. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so to me, if we arrive at a juncture where we're saying, where we're actually truly wondering, should I reach out? We've answered the question. Um, do it. We, do it. Absolutely. When in doubt, reach out. Because there are many relationships that we have or have had where we're not thinking that. I had people who I was friends with and I mean, I'm thinking about it right now. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you from San Francisco, and I have a friend, a good friend, um, who I haven't talked to for a few years. And I mean, here, and he lives in here in San Francisco. And I'm thinking, God dang it, like, like, kind of bugs me that I'm not reaching out right now. And I probably should when I get off the phone with you. Well, I think you should also. How do you think the uh, pandemic has fostered the idea of regret? Do you think that we sort of were where our minds were still enough to contemplate some of this? Yes. I think that that the pandemic gave us gave a lot of us forced us into more reflection than we typically would have in our lives, mm. um, just because things slowed down and because again, not to be morbid here, but this the specter of mortality, which I think is a central part of our consciousness, became even more explicit in this moment. And so we inevitably were looking backward, and when we look backward, we think about our regrets. And so I think it made people more, I think it made people more, more reflective. And I think that coming out of this pandemic, assuming we are about to do that, or maybe kind of sort of doing it right now, or maybe on the brink of doing it, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be clarifying. And I, and I think what people are looking for in this post-pandemic world, I'm with you on your, on your point about happy, about happiness in the smiley, sunny sense of the word happiness. Mm -hmm. And I very rarely even use that word myself. I, I like to talk about, I, I, I think of it in terms of just of, of flourishing. And one can flourish not by being smiley and sunny, but by doing something meaningful and by contributing and by being around people you care about and who care about you. And sometimes that isn't easy. And sometimes that isn't smiley in an Instagram way, but that is, it is meaningful and that is a good life. And what's interesting about these four core regrets, which seem superficially like, you know, like I spent a couple of years every day going in and saying, oh, let's read some more regrets, um, <laughs> you know, in the morning. And you would think that would be a downer, but it was almost the opposite for the reasons you're saying, which is that when people tell you what they regret the most, 
they're also telling you what they value the most. Hmm. And, and, and the fact that these four core regrets keep coming up are people are telling me what they value. They value some stability. Those are foundation regrets. They value growth and psychological richness. They value doing the right thing and they value love. And, and I think that that's what true, that's what true happiness is. And none of those things are, you know, Instagram hashtag blessed things. They're things that are about like a, a deep, rich, meaningful life. All right, go out and buy The Power of Regret. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was so interesting, sort of half self-helpy, but really very interesting in like the other half being very research-based. So oftentimes I feel like some of these books don't have the, the goods to back up the thesis. This really does. So check out The Power of Regret. If you have a financial question, well, we are here to help you out. Go to jillonmoney.com, click the Contact Us button, and we will get your message. Don't forget to sign up for the free weekly newsletter. It is free every single Friday. That's the weekend. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow. 